Worship is responding to everything I know about God with everything inside of me. Worship is responding. God goes first. God spoke creation into being. God sent his one and only son. When Jesus left, he said he would send us the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is no God like our God. And he deserves our highest praise. So King David, through the ups and downs and every days of his life, wrote a series of poems and songs that expressed his love and his worship for God. Some of them make you stand and cheer and some of them make you kneel and cry, which is part of their genius. The Psalms have been the prayer book of God's people ever since they were written. For thousands of years, people in every nation of the world speaking every language that we know can be spoken have found in the Psalms uh, words to express their highest praise and their deepest longing and sometimes their sadness and frustration. David, we're told, began as a shepherd boy. Uh, the youngest of eight sons of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz. Uh, King David, when he was out there in the fields with the sheep, um, had time on his hands. You know what sheep are like? Sheep are uh, stubborn, stupid, and stinky, which is why we're compared to them <laughs> a lot in the Bible. Uh, and so nobody wanted to tend the sheep that's why the youngest had to do it, right? It's kind of like carrying out the garbage or cleaning the toilet. It's the thing you least want to do. And we kind of, you know, romanticize shepherding, but uh, actually it wasn't that much fun. And while he was there, out in that place, doing what he had to do, David wrote songs. We learned that he played the harp and the lyre, you know, sort of like a guitar, and he composed songs of worship. Not only did he compose songs of worship when he was a shepherd boy, but after he became famous by taking on that nine-foot Philistine giant and uh, taking him down with one stone from his sling, when David slew Goliath, he became world famous, or at least famous among the nation of Israel. And, and eventually he comes to the king's attention. He serves in the king's court. He becomes a mighty warrior, and he continues to write and express his heart. Soon the king turns against him, and David runs and fears for his life, but he continues to sing and write. Eventually, he becomes the most famous and powerful king of Israel, the, the greatest king of all. When Nancy and I went to Israel quite a few years ago now, our tour guide was quite a guy. He was very outgoing, and he loved to get us singing on the bus, and he would sing, David, Malak Israel. And we're like, what? And it was kind of this uh, Israeli folk song. David, king of Israel. Hi, hi, Vikayom. And uh, David is considered to this day the greatest king in all of the history of Israel. So on, on the high moments, so, you know, when he was at his, the peak of his power and influence, David also wrote words of worship and praise. And they're all together in the book we call Psalms. 
They influenced the people of the Older Testament from the time they were written into the New Testament. We even see Jesus praying the words of the Psalms. You know, how do you express the, the greatest moment of joy when the king rides into the, royal, the holy city on the back of a donkey? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a psalm. How do you express what you feel on the darkest day? When Jesus is hanging on the cross with the sins of the whole world poured out on him. And the father turns away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. So Jesus prayed the Psalms and God's people have prayed the Psalms. But my experience is that we're a little conflicted. I know I've been about using the Psalms because they're not the way we expect them to be. They're not um, happy thoughts for every day. You know, like a devotional book with pick-me-up statements that, you know, put, put a smile on your face and steal in your spine. If you go to the Psalms to get a happy word for the day, it only works about half the time. The other half is like, well, that was a downer, or that was a head-scratcher. I'm not sure what that meant. I'm not sure what that's about. And as we'll see in a few minutes, that's on purpose. Because I don't know about you, but my life isn't all one or the other. It's sometimes both and. You can have a good day and then have a bad day, and sometimes it happens in the same day. And the Psalms are messy because life is messy. There's not all the happy Psalms here and all the sad Psalms there. Not all the highs and lows are leveled out. They're all left in. Which is why they are so powerful. And as we read through the Psalms and use them in our life of worship, they express things that we might not otherwise have words for. I like to think of it as deepening our spiritual vocabulary. God gives us the Psalms through King David's life in order to teach us how to express the the sense and the the feeling and the truth that's in our heart. So the main principle we learn when we look at the Psalms, kind of read them through, is that there's two kinds. Uh, The hymns of praise and the songs of lament. And one of the hymns of praise is Psalm 103. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me. I think we're going to put it up on the screen. Uh, It's also in your pew Bible and page 598, I believe it is. Let's read some of this together. I'll read and then I'll invite you to join me. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Would you read verse 2 with me? Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then we have the benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Would you read verse 5? who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Would you read verse 9? He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us 
as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And then verse 11 with me. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. This is a wonderful psalm of praise, a a hymn of praise that lifts us up into the presence of God himself, that responds to the person and character of God. The message translation, Eugene Peterson put it this way, Oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I bless his holy name. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell and saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, eternal beauty. He renews your youth. You feel young in his presence. Here's a hymn of praise that expresses intense joy at seeing and remembering and treasuring the true nature of our God. It's responding to who he is. And responding is something that is almost instinctive. C.S. Lewis writes about this. He says there's something about life and human nature that when you see something that's praiseworthy or admirable, our instinct is to express Adoration, appreciation. Our instinct is to express back to God our thanks for who he is. You don't even have to think about it. It just happens. Anybody been to a concert by like your all-time favorite artist, singer, group, band, and when they sing your favorite song, what do you do? You, You naturally applaud, right? You don't even have to think about it. Sometimes if you really like it, you might stand and applaud. If you really, really like it, you might cheer or whistle. Anybody? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, Any Red Wings fans? (laughs) Okay, so Pavel Datsuk gets a breakaway, right? He's coming in over the blue line. He's got the puck. What does the crowd do instinctively? They stand to their feet and uh, and they start to clap before he even took the shot. Why? Because something good is about to happen, right? Something amazing has captured your attention and you just instinctively respond. There's something within us that responds when we see God high and lifted up. There is no God like our God. And he is worthy of our highest praise and an instinctive, just uh, natural response level. Otherwise, we're holding it back, you know. To be quiet, to be unresponsive is unnatural. That's what C.S. Lewis said. When we see the God of all creation who spoke this universe into order in all of his majesty and glory, we respond to him. Don't you love to look at the night sky and admire the stars? In a couple of weeks, there's going to be a meteor shower. There always is, the second week of August. And most of the time, I'm out laying on the backyard looking up at the sky. About 11 or 12 o'clock at night, because I just, you see all these shooting stars. It's an amazing experience, and it just reminds us how amazing our God is. We live on a designer planet with the fingerprints of God all over it. Any closer to the sun and we'd cook, any further and we'd freeze. Aren't you glad we're tilted at that perfect 23? Don't you love the seasons? 
I love the seasons. I love the fingerprints of God in all of creation. God the Father who created everything. God the Son. God sent Jesus when the time was exactly right. That's what Galatians 4 says. Born of a virgin, born in a manger to live a perfect life and at the perfect time at exactly the right moment to pay for the sins of the whole world, yours and mine. There is no God like our God. When I see Jesus in all of his glory paying the price for the sins of the whole world, I can't help but respond, right? It's instinctive. It's natural. And then when Jesus goes back to the Father, he sends us the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'll be a comforter. I'll be with you. God in us. Wow. To help us make decisions, to to check our conscience, to guide our lives. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is no God like our God. So the hymns of praise, like this one, Psalm 103, say, forget not all his benefits. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He gives us purpose and meaning. He, He is worthy of our highest praise. And so it pours out naturally from somewhere deep inside us as we see the nature and the character of God. The heart of worship is reflecting on and delighting in the goodness and greatness of God. Some people think worship is just good music. It's not. Some people think worship is about the music I like most. It's not. Some others think that worship is all about the decor, which is beautiful today. I'm so thankful for it, but it's not an end in itself. It's here to point us to the God who creates beauty, who gave us these gifts and provided this place. Worship is much more than any of these things. The heart of worship is to reflect on and delight in the goodness and greatness of God and to express back to him our delight in who he is. Worship is not complete until we close the loop and give back to God in response to what he gives to us. And like C.S. Lewis says, when you see somebody or something that's amazing and uh, praiseworthy, you can't help but respond. Many years ago now, Nancy and I were picking up a friend in the South Bend airport. And I was looking over at the baggage carousel, and there was a rather tall man standing by himself. I said, is that who I think it is? And she said, I think that is who you think it is. So I walk over and put out my hand and say, are you Billy Graham? He said, yes. I, I couldn't believe he was there by himself in that moment, and we had a very nice visit for about 10 or 15 minutes. Can I tell you something? My heart was beating fast, right? I mean, I, there was something about that encounter that stirred me and moved me. And it's just a little tiny piece of what happens when I am in the presence of the living God. And so the worship team is going to come and we're going to practice. Is that okay with you? We're going to practice our response to God. Psalm 99 says, God rules on your toes, everybody. He is on his royal throne. He looms majestic in Zion. He is, his splendor is over all the earth. Great and terrible is his beauty. Let everyone praise him. Holy, yes, holy. Honor God. Worship his name. He is holy, yes, holy. Lift God high 
our God. Worship at his holy mountain. Holy, our God is holy. Will you stand? Will you sing with me in response from our hearts to a holy God? our worship and our praise. May this come from deep within and be a genuine response to just how amazing you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. 
Well, not all the Psalms are hymns of praise. Some of us might wish they were, but it's a good thing they're not. Because we're not always on the mountaintop. Many of the Psalms are what we call songs of lament. Songs for the days when life is hard. When I don't feel happy or upbeat, but God is still God. And I need words to express that as well. And so the psalmist, King David, wrote incredibly powerful songs and poems on his down days, on his hard days. Psalm 42 is an example of that. We're very familiar with the first verse, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I think one of the things we miss in this is that it's not, uh, you know, the cute little Bambi. (laughs) Isn't there like a deer farm around here somewhere? Yeah, like where I live, there's like this deer farm. I didn't know we had to farm them. I don't know what's up with that. Somebody explain that to me. Anyway, uh, this is not the deer on the farm that's having a happy day, okay? This is the deer that's in the desert and it's dying. And if it doesn't get something to drink, life is over. It's desperate, okay? My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, that's not a happy thought. You don't make a bumper sticker out of that, do you? You Honk if your tears have been your food day and night. I don't think so. (laughs) While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Where is is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul? Are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. These are not the words of someone having a good day. This is a song from someone whose heart is broken and struggling. Not every day is a didaw day. Sometimes we have those difficult discouraging, depressing days, and we need permission, and we have it here in the Psalms from God to be open and honest with him, to just tell him how we feel. It doesn't mean that that defines us completely, that we're going to stay downcast or defeated, but if that's where we are, that's where we are. David just says it like it is. 
And I love the fact that in the Psalms, these songs of lament leave room for all of us to read our own story into this story. Did you notice that in the Psalm we just read, it never specifically says what he's downcast about. Well, there's genius in that. There's the inspiration of God's word to say, you know, the struggle is specific enough for me to identify with it, but it's broad enough, general enough for me to see my own story in it. Maybe he was downcast because he just moved a long distance and left from friends behind and he's getting in a new place and trying to learn his way around. Maybe. Maybe he's discouraged because his business, you know, his financial affairs have fallen on hard times. We read ourselves into the story and it's okay because it's the story of us. Maybe he had a fight with one of his wives. Whatever David was discouraged or troubled about, we can identify with all of the struggles and all of the troubles. We lament, it says in this psalm, because of our enemies. Enemies can refer to anything or anyone from which we need deliverance. An enemy could on some days be your boss or your neighbor or a coworker. Or someone you're in conflict with and need to resolve. Then it talks about illness. All of us face the fact that our bodies are not perfect. We suffer, we struggle. It says, my bones suffer in this psalm. Eventually, the stuff we're going through affects us physically. Turning stomachs, stiff necks, aching heads, sore backs, sleepless nights, and on and on. And when we feel it, we can tell it to the Lord. And then there are the pitfalls, the snares that discourage us and trip us up. What the Bible calls besetting sins that we need to be honest about. When we pray songs of lament, one of the things the scripture calls us to do is to let him search us and know us, to try our anxious thoughts to see if there's any wicked way in us. Psalm 19, beginning with verse 12, says, But who can discern their own errors? Isn't that a good question? Who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The psalmist says, you know, I may think I'm in a good space. I may come to worship kind of oblivious, but maybe there's some hidden stuff as well as some more obvious stuff, and I need to lay it at the feet of God. Those of us who live on this side of the cross know that we bring it and confess it and receive forgiveness from the Lord. And this theme is through the Psalms. When we pray, we don't just pray sort of hydroplaning over the junk in our hearts. We open ourselves. We invite him to search us and know us. So the worship team is going to come and we're going to sing a song to help us lament before the Lord. Whether that means facing the struggles of our daily lives or confessing the sin in our hearts or simply recognizing that sometimes life is hard. 
God, I lament that the world is not fair. I lament that sometimes I feel sick and weary. Sometimes I'm tired or discouraged. And I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I come to you. So we're going to open our altar. And of course, here at Davison Free Methodist, that's just part of who we are, right? Right? I mean, this is one of those safe, sacred places. Come and give back to God whatever it is we need his help with. And while we're at it, the songs of lament in the Psalms also give us permission to express our frustration and our anger to God. You know, those Psalms that make us scratch our heads, those Psalms that say, take vengeance on my enemies, hurt those who have hurt me. What do you do with those? Well, I I believe the truth of it is that when people do outrageously evil things in this world, it raises in our hearts a righteous rage. We want to pay them back. We wish we could get vengeance. And so the, the Psalms say, you lay that at God's feet. Rage belongs before God. Think about the people in Rwanda. One tribe destroying another. What do you do with the wound of that? You bring it to God. You lay it at his feet. You tell him the truth. Somebody who's taken advantage of you or done you wrong or ruined your life and you don't know what to do with it. You don't know what to feel about it or say about it or do about it. You bring it to God and you lay it at his feet. Along with everything else, everything we are and everything we feel. And the truth of the matter is when we do, when we lay our lives, we lay our stuff, we lay our sin, we lay our struggles at the feet of Jesus. Regret doesn't get the, bat, the last word. Sin doesn't get the last word. Guilt doesn't get the last word. Anger doesn't get the last word. God does. So will you stand with me? And if you would like to come and pray, pour out your heart to God for any reason, you are welcome here. This is a safe place. Let's sing. Let's pray.
God, how we need you. You know these ones who have come for prayer to the front, and you know all of us who stand in need of prayer where we are. And we do what your people have done across the centuries. We come and we pour out our heart to you because you said we could, because you invited us to, because in the Psalms you show us how to open up our deepest need and lay upon you our heaviest burden, confess to you our darkest sin and to receive from you grace and hope and help and forgiveness. And so we come to you, Father, and we bow before you. We trust that you are the God who listens and who cares and who helps your people. Thank you. Lift our burden, heal our hurt, Encourage our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, now you have a little bit of a taste of why I love the Psalms so much, right? Songs in major keys, full of life and love and joy, and songs in minor keys, full of pain and struggle and honesty. And as we draw toward the close of the teaching of David through the Psalms, I just want to also remind us of the blessing and privilege of worshiping together, of doing what we just talked about, lifting God up and seeing his greatness and responding instinctively with praise or bearing our heart and bringing our burden and sharing our souls with one another. And we get to do it together. I mean, it's, it's great to worship God alone, but there's something really amazing and powerful about doing this together. The psalmist says in Psalm 149, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Eugene Peterson in the message said, sing to the Lord a brand new song, praise him in the company of all who love him. Worship is just plain fun when you do it with people who love you and you love them and together we love God. Our grandson, our oldest grandson, Evan, he just turned nine. He lives in Kalamazoo. We go to Kalamazoo a lot. <laughs> We've been back and forth a couple times already. Well, there are three grandkids who live there full time. And, and, uh, and then one we're hoping to have. Have I mentioned my grandkids? <laughs> so anyway, Evan, we're all out together in a big van, a borrowed the church van, because we're on the Christmas light tour. And uh, we have a lot of fun with Christmas at our house and with our extended family. And as we're going from neighborhood to neighborhood to see the kind of amazing Christmas lights, we decided to sing Christmas songs, Christmas carols between stops. And Evan is having a blast and he's singing at the top of his lungs. And Grandma and Grandpa are singing, but his mom and dad kind of lost the tune along the way, you know. It was just getting a little bit old. And I'll never forget, Evan goes, Come on, Mommy. Come on, Daddy. Sing. It's fun. That's how I feel about worship, okay? It's not what anybody has to do. You never have to raise your hands in this church. 
You never have to sing out loud. You never have to clap. You never have to do anything. You get to. Okay? You get to. And if you choose not to, that's okay too. But I just think it's fun. It's a great expression together before the Lord. I get to worship him. I get to praise him. And I get to do it with you. Now, when you look at the Psalms and you look at the Old Testament experience of worship, you find out that they did a lot of different things at different times in different ways. Sometimes they used instruments. Uh, the very first worship service recorded in the Bible is after they've crossed the Red Sea and Miriam gets up and leads that song about the horse and rider, right? And what does she play? Anybody know? The tambourine, that's right. Now, a few chapters later, when Moses is about to go and receive the Ten Commandments, he tells the people that they need to be silent for three days. Oh, I bet there's some people that didn't really like it. What do you think, right? Uh, but it doesn't record that anybody said, could Miriam please get the tambourine? You know, I liked what we did back there. Would we please do that again? And then the next time when they play the trumpets and celebrate, nobody says, well, you know, I liked it better when we were all silent. They didn't have any conflict over one particular thing at one particular time because their eyes were above all that on the Lord. And sometimes you're loud and proud and having fun and sometimes you're quiet and humble, silent before the Lord. And it's all good. It's all good. My prayer is that as we grow together as worshipers, there'll be all kinds of worship moments. Worship moments that challenge us in one way or another, that invite us into the moment. Because one of the important aspects of the Psalms is that there are Psalms of enthronement. Those Psalms that get our eyes up and on God and call us to worship Him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength because He is on the throne. Now, why is that important? Because there are days when it doesn't feel like that. Days when somebody is sick or in want. Days when the people of God were in exile under the oppressing hand of the Assyrians or the Babylonians when Jerusalem had been sacked and the enemy had apparently won the day. And what did God's people do? They said, Lord, you are great. Lord, you reign. Lord, you rule. Lord, you are still Lord. You are still God. Why? Because we need to remember that even when life is hard, maybe especially when life is hard. There may be somebody in your row or just ahead of you or behind you for whom life is hard these days. And it is hard to remember that our God is still God and he is still on the throne of heaven and he still rules and he still reigns. And in the end, we win with Jesus Christ, no matter how hard it is right here and right now. So we're going to close with a song of praise and worship to the Lord. Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. And we're going to 
sing together. And this song says, I lift my hands up. Now, for some people, lifting our hands before the Lord is a little uncomfortable. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. It's okay. You don't have to do it. But here's what I know. I've done a lot of things with my hands this week. But maybe the best thing I could do with my hands is show God that I love him. I have one daughter and one son. And every so often, one of them will write me a note that says they love me. I've got a whole drawer full of them. Keep them all. And every time I read one of those, it does something to my heart. Nothing else can do. And the Bible says, when I worship the Lord and tell him that I love him, it does something for him. He is not a robot. He is not a force. He is my heavenly father. And my expression of love moves his heart. So sometimes it's like waist-high hands. Anybody know about that? You know, that's about all I can do. But it just means I'm submissive, Lord. You know, I'm waiting on you. Ever do that? Other times it's sort of like, uh, God, I just want to realize that you're my dad and you love me and I want to love you back. And sometimes it's like on tiptoe, I can't keep him down because it's like, there is no God like you. And so would you, would you stand with me? Lord God, as we worship you in this last song of praise, whether we lift our hands or whether we don't, we lift our soul, we lift our spirit before you. We are your children. And when we tell you that we love you, it blesses your heart. And we are privileged to do that. It's amazing that we get to touch the Father's heart. And I pray that in these next few moments, we will experience that together as your children at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray.
Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One, we worship you with all our hearts. Help us to worship you on the high days and the low days and all the in-between days. May there be something inside of us that responds to the greatness and grandeur of you. And whether we use the Psalms or however we find words to express what's in our hearts, and sometimes it's beyond words, but we just love you back. We love you back. We love you back. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, some of you probably noticed we didn't take the offering. So we're going to do that. All right. Is that okay with you? And it's not an interruption and it's not an add-on. It fits. Right? Because giving back to God is one more expression. Uh, Somebody said it's the offering that keeps worship from being sentimental. Because it makes it tangible and real. So let's worship the Lord by giving. And we'll sing while we do it.
Okay, now here's my theory of clapping in church. If you're going to applaud, we're applauding for the Lord, not just for the band, right? Amen. And if you're applauding for the Lord, you can do a little better than that. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. I'm so thankful to be here, to be with you. And I am just um, in awe of people who would take the time and energy to do this and who would practice enough to do that and would share those gifts with all of us. So Lord, we love you and we worship you and we thank you. Thank you for a church full of gifted and talented people that want to use our gifts and talents to bring you praise. And I pray that there would be more and more and more of us who find ways to do that. And as we give you praise, we pray that you will remind us that there's a neighbor and a friend and a co-worker and a classmate who still need to discover your goodness and greatness for themselves. And you can use us. So as your worship fills our hearts, may it splash over on somebody else this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord go with us all.